he devoted many, many hours to his business, um, worked up until probably the day he died. Um, but so, and I think that's right. I think that's kind of that Hoosier mentality. You know, uh, there's no free rides. Uh, so have some skin in the game uh, and I'll help you get the job done. From the Times of Northwest Indiana and nwi.com slash podcasts, you're listening to Byline, the podcast about the newspaper's most fascinating stories and the reporters who tell them. I'm Kale Wilk. I'm Andrew Jones, and this episode is a tribute to a man who used his resources to change his community forever. There was a shining light that came from being white, and, and it, it helped and it, uh, it made a difference in the community. A man who also aimed to stay humble. He, he wasn't like completely, he wasn't like a recluse or anything though. He just didn't like seek attention. It just wasn't part of his nature. We start off this episode with a phone call. Hello? That's Susan Reed on the other end. And she's a junior at Indiana University studying biology and environmental sustainability. Now, Susan is in a fortunate situation. She gets to attend a major research institution on a full-ride scholarship. To be specific, a Dean and Barbara White scholarship. We have a night at Crown Point High School where they have all of the people that are receiving scholarships from the Crown Point Community Foundation because they, they give out so many scholarships every year and it's, it's incredible what they do. They call names one by one, and you go up and receive your scholarship, and you can take pictures with the sponsor and get to meet them and know them. And everyone's name had been called. And I was getting very nervous. <laughs> I was twiddling my thumbs up on stage, and I, I was getting so, like, I, I was like, okay, anything, anything would help, you know, any kind of scholarship. I was the last name called with, with Andre, and... I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what that meant at first. And they're like, this is a full scholarship. And when I heard that, I started crying. Because, <laughs> and my, my dad started crying. My dad never cries. He never cries. And the whole school knows my, my dad, because he's the orchestra director there. And so my dad started crying, and everyone, everyone was looking at us. It was, it was crazy. It was like a really surreal moment. I just didn't believe that it had happened. I have three sisters, you know. I have three sisters all in college right now. And so it, money has always been a little tight in our family. The Crown Point Community Foundation has been giving out this particular scholarship for some years. But it's just a drop in the bucket of all that Dean White has touched. I didn't get to meet Dean White ever. He was kind of like this ghost figure and everyone talked about him, but apparently his health was pretty poor in the past few years and so he never really um, came out to, to meet us. And the thing is, unfortunately, she won't get to. For Dean White passed away close to two weeks ago. And the random person um, texted me that, hey, Dean White died. And it's we get a lot of rumors like that, like we constantly hear that the Munster Jewel is about to close and um, or that uh, T-Bulls is going to close or things like that. So we hear these rumors and, you know, you take it with a grain of salt, but you have to check in on them. But uh, so we checked with White Lodging and it turned out that uh, it did indeed happen. 
That's Joseph Pete, who we spoke to a few episodes ago when it was announced that the Star Plaza Theater and Radisson Hotel in Merrillville would be slated for closing and future demolition. He's covered Dean White, as well as his son Bruce, the CEO of White Lodging, as part of his business beat. So he's covered his passing, even his obituary. That, that, that's how newspapers are able to come, so come out so quickly with like, you know, like thousand word appreciations when these, you know, prominent people die. And in this case, we had prepared that a few years ago, um, uh, highlighting some of his achievements in the business world and um, his political contributions and some of his charitable endeavors. Simply put, White was a very wealthy individual with an amassed fortune of about two and a half billion dollars. He led White Co. Industries a company inherited from his father, where he invested in billboards and hotels. You know, he stayed here and he made it, he, you know, built his um, billboard empire, you know, based out of Merrillville, expanded into hotels when he saw, you know, the promise of the interstate system that people were going to, you know, start staying on the outskirts of town instead of in, you know, traditional hotels, you know, in, in the cities. It would probably take me at least a couple minutes or more to list the numerous investments and projects Dean White had his hand in. But some noteworthy things include the creation of the Twin Towers offices in Merrillville, the development over time of the Merrillville and Hobart business districts, and the creation of the Big Blue JW Marriott Hotel in Indianapolis. He was one of four billionaires in Indiana, alongside Carl Cook of Cook Medical, Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Earsay, and Indiana Pacers owner Herbert Simon. As a person, based on Joseph's descriptions and what else he's heard, he was pretty humble. Because he wasn't, um, he's never been about like having a high profile either. Um, you know, so he's uh, he was quoted in a earlier Post Tribune article saying he wasn't Donald Trump and he didn't want to be, you know, constantly in the tabloids or anything like that. You know, virtually no profile because he just preferred to, you know, be private. He lives in like a wooded estate in Crown Point and just, you know, he he wasn't like completely. He wasn't like a recluse or anything though. At the Star Plaza, he would just sit, you know, sit out there in the buffet and have dinner like before shows in the buffet out with the public and everything. He just didn't like seek attention. It just wasn't part of his nature. In seeking out people to talk to about Dean White, it's hard. As noted before, he's touched so many different things in people's lives. Andrew and I went off with the best recommendations we could get, and one of those people was Pat Huber president of the Crown Point Community Foundation, the same organization Susan Reed, who you heard earlier, applied to for her scholarship. Uh, and when you talk about meeting with them, I had several meetings at his office. He was always just a delight to sit and talk with. Very much a businessman, you know, a very astute businessman. Um, but it was just an honor to walk into his office. He never put on airs, uh, and he, he always talked to me and whoever I was with, if it was a board member or what have you, just exactly the, the way we're talking today. According to Pat, Dean White was happy to contribute to various charitable causes. Um, and he, you know, he always wanted to give you, if, if we were asking him for a gift or whatever, he always wanted to um, participate in that, but he wanted you to have some skin in the game too. He wanted you to work at it, just like he worked every single day. You know, I know he 
he devoted many, many hours to his business, um, worked up until probably the day he died. Um, but so, and I think that's right. I think that's kind of that Hoosier mentality. You know, uh, there's no free rides. Uh, so have some skin in the game uh, and I'll help you get the job done. Very loyal. I would say very loyal. She also noted how much he cared for his most local community, Crown Point, such as how he donated to the preservation of the courthouse in the town square, as well as donating to help build the YMCA and sportsplex in Crown Point too. There are some uh, folks that wanted to create an endowment fund here at the foundation. And so he allowed any of those folks that did that, uh, so their money is here, it's invested here, but then it's always going to support that facility. Um, and we raised, I wanna say, that's been a few years ago now, but I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 180,000 for that. So, and he went ahead and matched that. So he, he always liked challenge matches where, you know, a, if a donor gives a buck, then he was also willing to throw in a buck. So, it, you know, a challenge match is always donor gives, but then the Dean and Barbara White family gave as well. But aside from his charitable givings, what about his interests in the business world? Clustered around the work and memory of Dean White are the people who have worked and been working to make the region a more entrepreneurially diverse and a more hospitable place to live and visit. Two of those people are Larry Alt and Speros Baritatos. Alt has worked developing numerous businesses across the region, and Baristados is president and CEO of the South Shore Convention and Visitors Authority. That being said, Alt and Baristados are two of hundreds of people who have already and will continue to build on the foundation that Dean White laid over the past half century. His interest was furthering the community, leaving Lake County and Northwest Indiana, and, and a lot of interest in Crown Point, but better than he found it. He was a great philanthropist, and we owe a great deal of our quality of life here. It would not be at a level that it is, if not for Mr. White. And for just a second, I want to make a sort of thought pause here and reflect on something that has struck me as I learn more and more about Dean White, and that's simply this fact. He was a billionaire, a 2.5 billionaire, the 789th richest person alive, as Joseph reported. And yet he poured out a lot of his wealth into amazing things. He wasn't incredibly public about how or why he spent his money. And so I wonder if years from now, the ripple effects of his generosity and investment ingenuity will still be changing people's lives without them knowing it. Regardless of how you think about billionaires, this, this fact is interesting. Here's a man who has dramatically inspired NWI's future, but who didn't choose to follow the spotlight around. Perhaps, of all the billionaires in the world, that's not rare, but that doesn't mean that it's not amazing. Maybe it's that, as Baristados put it, He never forgot the humble roots that he came from. Uh, to me, it was uh, one of the strongest parts of his character that he, in many ways, remained a humble man. And so Larry Ald also talked about Dean White, whom he worked with and for since 1990. We worked on the seventh floor of the Twin Towers together, by the way, Saw each, other, saw each other practically every day and then walking down the hallway or, you know, in, in meetings or whatever. And even though Alt says that he wasn't very close to White, he does remember a man who was more than just quiet about his work. Well, he was a lot more, he was a lot more generous than people know. 
I mean, uh, every, there's so many things, and I'm not going to mention any of it, but there's so many things that he did for the community that, uh, that will never be known because he just he was not a public man. He was a very private person. Dean White did so much, though. How could there possibly be things we just don't know about? And yet, that was his way. You never, you never saw a picture of Dean White handing a check to anybody. You never, you know, uh, he, he was extremely quiet and, and did not want any recognition or didn't want any, uh, well, I mean, he, he never wanted to be in the limelight, never wanted to be in the spotlight. I think this is our default impression of wealthy people who want to do good. We imagine that they want their good doing to be publicized. But whether or not we'll someday get a memoir of Dean White probing his philosophy of philanthropic work, we can at least assume this, I think. He let the fruits of his giving speak for themselves. But if any one of us, and I don't care who it is, it could be you, it could be me, it could be Mr. White, uh, if we don't give back to our community, if we don't recognize where we've come from, if we don't embrace if something as simple as maybe walking down to the nearest park and making sure that there's no weeds in it and picking up some garbage, to being able to write the kinds of checks and have the kind of influence that he did, I think every one of us has a social responsibility to give back. Buddy Sados told me that he's no expert on philanthropy, but, but this is a legitimate challenge. You know, there's a lot of people, I think especially in younger generations, who need to understand that hard work uh, results in these kinds of activities. Nobody hands you anything in life. And, you know, when you have people like Mr. White and others in the community who understand that, I think the community is a better place. Well, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a sad day because because he's gone, and, and his his you know, what he what he meant to the community. I mean, the, 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 there was a shining light that came from Dean White, and and it, it helped, and it uh, it made a difference in the community, and and uh, just you know that that that's gone, and that that can never be replaced. Everybody's going to be talking about White's legacy, what he did and what kind of world he gave to the Northwest Indiana community. But Alt is right. It's really sad. He is gone. When Speros Baristatos first heard the news of White's passing, one of the first things that came to his mind was something that's on many minds today. To me, it was an end of an era. A man who was very successful, that never moved away, uh, that didn't, you know, didn't take the temptation of moving to Palm Springs or to somewhere else and forgetting where he came from, uh, a man who continually invested in the community. Uh, those were all important things. The death of White has a sort of uh, eerie chronological correlation with the end of the Star Plaza Theater, and it's reinforcing this quote-unquote end of an era mentality surrounding these past few months in, in Northwest Indiana. But as we look at the way that things are changing, we also have to consider the good that's been done and how it will change the future. I think that everything he touched will be a legacy. All of the, the 17,000 kids a year that go to the Challenger Learning Center will be his legacy. Uh, the five or 600 kids that are currently enrolled right now in the White School of Hospitality, that's going to be his legacy. The countless careers that came through the theater 
and the hotel, like mine, the Legacy Sports Complex in Crown Point, the courthouse. I mean, everything the man gave to will live on and his memory will live on because of those acts of generosity. That's going to be a legacy. I don't think we really have much more to say than that. Baristados gets it, and and hopefully in the coming weeks and and months and years, more people in the NWI community will too. Here at the Times, the the staff's job is to tell the truth and and paint the broad and ever-changing picture of what this collection of neighborhoods is, what it's been, and where it's going. White is one of those figures who has changed the storytelling landscape forever. The newspaper may not have had a one-on-one relationship with Mr. White, but his contributions to everything around here have definitely changed the architecture of the stories that the newspaper tells. As I noted in the article, you know, a lot of the people have to go off to become successful, whether as like boxers or athletes or Nobel Prize winning economists. But, you know, he stayed here, but he, he's been a, had a great and far-reaching influence on this area. And sure, even though this place in the world may not be the first choice for investors and innovators to plant themselves, White did. And if that tells us anything about how he felt about Northwest Indiana, I think it definitely suggests that he saw it like most of us do. It was his home. And where best to make your mark on the world than your home? Byline is a production of the Times of Northwest Indiana. You can find all of our episodes as well as the latest ones that come out each Monday at nwi.com podcasts. If you are on social media, you can find Byline on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. If you type in NWI Byline in the search bar, we will appear. And uh, if you have a media player and would like to download our latest episodes, you can get them on iTunes, on Google Play, and on Stitcher. Just be sure to rate us and and leave us a review. It really, really helps. We also would love to hear from you, and whether you have constructive feedback for us or some comments or just want to say hi, please email us, and you can do that at nwibyline at gmail.com. Reporting for this episode came from Joseph Pete, as well as Andrew Jones and myself, Kale Wilk. A few thanks are in order here. First, to you, our listeners, who have helped make Byline so successful and fun, for we have reached a mini-milestone by producing this, our 10th episode. We couldn't have done it without you, so please, spread the word about us and help us find new ears so we can continue this growth. Next, we'd like to thank Susan Reed, Pat Huber, Larry Alt, and Spiros Baristados for taking the time to speak with us. And finally, a big thanks to the show's creator, The Times' digital and audience engagement editor, Summer Moore. She is the queen bee, And we are always appreciative of the guidance she gives to us worker bees. I am Andrew Jones. I'm Kale Wilk. And from both of us here in Northwest Indiana, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.